Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill, and welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. And today, my guest, I'm inviting back uh, a prior guest. His name is David Roselle, and he is the founder and president of Roselle Wealth Management, an entrepreneurial firm in Bend, Oregon. For over 20 years, he specialized in working with affluent individuals and families who are at or near retirement. His goal is to help people live the life they have always imagined during these years. As a recipient of the Retirement Distribution Certificate from the University of Pennsylvania's Warden School of Business, David excels in making complicated financial planning topics easy to understand. An accomplished speaker, he has addressed international audiences numbering in the thousands, including the Million Dollar Roundtable and Vistage Worldwide. David is also the author of three entertaining books that meld his passion of adventure and finance, which I have read. All three, I'm proud to say. Failure is not an option is the first one, creating certainty in the uncertainty of retirement. Keep Climbing, A Millennial's Guide to Financial Planning, and In the Know, Turning Your Unneeded Life Insurance Policy into Serious Cash, which is David's newest book, one I have not completely finished, but maybe because it doesn't pertain to my circumstances, but I think it's going to pertain to some of your circumstances. If you are a predecessor generation, that means you are uh, at a retirement age with a life insurance policy and thinking about maybe how could you cash out of that life insurance policy. David's got a niche product or service that he offers that he's going to tell us all about. Dio, welcome to the show today. Jonathan, it's so good to be back on your show. Thanks for having me again. It, it's great to be here with you. I wish I was in Bend, Oregon with you where we could enjoy some of that outdoor adventure sports that you guys, and I know that you love so much, but we're here in the studio today and we're going to talk about a subject that is based on your new book. So tell us first, when did the new book come out? The new book came out in January. I'm working on it for uh, two years. I wrote this book with my business partner, Rodney Cook, and uh, it was arduous and a lot of fun at the same time. How many people, like what percentage of the population has life insurance policies? First of all, let's, what's the size of this market that we're talking about? 
the I don't have the exact figures on the number of people that have life insurance. But anecdotally, what's your experience been? Uh, most families that we're coming across have life insurance. Very often they first get it when Bobby and Susie are born. Yep. And uh, and lots of times now that Bobby and Susie are successful in their own right, uh, there's no longer a need for this life insurance. And a lot of people, insurance companies have had to increase premiums over the last several years as interest rates were held artificially low. And that uh, forced for multiple reasons, insurance companies to increase the premiums. And uh, we're also finding that over the years, uh, a lot of people purchase a second to die life insurance policy to cover the estate tax. Mm -hmm. Now exemptions are so high that only point one percent of the population even has a federal estate tax. So we're seeing out there that there are lots of policies that people no longer want or no longer need that had a benefit prior to today. So a lot of people have these policies. And what are some of the reasons someone would no longer want or need their life insurance policy? In summary, lots of times premiums have increased so much that they're no longer affordable. Let's say you have a business partner. Very often there's buy-sell agreements and they're using life insurance in case something happened to one of the partners. And now that business is sold and that insurance is no longer needed. We're seeing it when children are no longer dependents. And, and again, when it comes back to the uh, estate tax, shockingly, Jonathan, um, up to 90% of life insurance policies never even pay a death benefit. Instead, they expire, they lapse, or they're just surrendered. Some of the stats I do have for you is each year, more than $112 billion in life insurance is allowed to lapse or is surrendered by individuals who are 65 and older. And that's $112 billion with a B. That's crazy because when you think about it, life insurance is a capital asset and has a significant value. And I don't imagine it shows up on anyone's balance sheet. I guess when they're filling out a financial statement, which has a personal balance sheet, they put it on there, but probably it gets overlooked a lot. And yeah. so, so what are some of the options people have when deciding what to do with a life insurance policy? Obviously, one of them is to continue paying on it till death do them part. What are some of the other options? And let's talk about that one, too. Yeah, most people think they have only three options and really okay. there's fourth that I want to focus on today. But one is the one that you mentioned is just keep the policy, which is very viable for a lot of people and just pay the increased premiums. Uh, number two is to decrease the death benefit to make the premiums more affordable. And this really works well when there still is a need for life insurance, but it's hard to make those premium payments. And the third is to let the policy lapse, which is one of the most common ones, and mm. just take any potential cash value out of it. But now there's a fourth option. This is an option that most insurance companies really do not want you to know about. It's relatively unknown, and it's very powerful when it's used for the right people at the, for, at the right time in their life for the right policies. And you had mentioned, Jonathan, that life insurance is a capital asset, and most yes. aren't aware of that. Of course, your home your automobiles, your boats, your investment portfolios, real estate, and even your business interests are all capital assets. And in reality, life insurance is also a capital asset, an asset that often has significant value. 
and that most people probably don't recognize. You see a lot of financial statements in your practice, I'm sure, because you're needing to look at the totality of someone's financial picture. And I would imagine many of people don't even put it on their balance sheet, their personal financial statement as a capital asset. So there are a lot of misconceptions about selling life insurance policies. And the biggest one being that you could get a cash settlement or is that, would that be it? Yeah, most people are not aware. A matter of fact, 90% of financial advisors statistically aren't aware about uh, these life settlements. And even when they're an appropriate fit for a policy owner, it's important to keep in mind that they're complex transactions and they require a team effort in a fair amount of time. And unlike purchasing, say, a life insurance policy when you start out, which may take just a few weeks to obtain, to sell a policy and do it right takes time. It could take four or five and, and sometimes six months to do. But one of the biggest considerations when debating whether to sell it is likely how much you're spending on the premiums and whether the policy is still necessary. Yeah, I read that in your book, which I'm holding up, and I was really surprised that it took so long. How does it, why does it take that long? And, and how does one go about selling a life insurance policy? Yeah, it is a complex transaction and it's putting it out to bid. And it's first of all, figuring out if the policy is marketable. And a lot of that depends on one's health and life expectancy. And then it's putting it out to bid. So a lot of people aren't aware. They may have heard about life settlements, but really aren't sure what they are. And really what it is, it's the sale of an existing policy, often to institutional investors. And these investors can include pension funds, hedge funds, banks. And the policy is put up for sale more than its cash surrender value and less than the death benefit. And the policy owner sells the policy in exchange for a lump sum cash payment. And once the policy is sold, the buyer of that policy actually becomes the owner. And it's now their responsibility to make all the premium payments moving forward. And what happens is these institutional investors purchase thousands of policies to diversify their holdings. And it's important to keep in mind the client confidentiality. These are purchased in large blind pools with many other policies so that they're not, a, they don't know exactly who the owners of the policies are. There's a lot of safety mechanisms. In Interesting. And how much can one make selling a life insurance policy? Do you have maybe, I know there's illustrations in the book, but is there a, maybe a rule, some rules of thumb you might give us or a sample illustration? It varies greatly. Um, most people are surprised how much money we're able to get uh, when it's marketable. And that means that their health has declined since they first purchased the policy. But I will say that in some of the stats, they only go back to two years ago in 2021. And Americans who sold their life insurance policies that they no longer need, instead of surrendering them, they average 7.8 times more than the cash surrender value. Amazing. And in that year, they Americans pocketed $660 million more than they would have just taken the cash value. So it's important if, if it's really only meant for people that no longer need and no longer want 
care policies. Right. And also if they're sick, can you, is it, if you have cancer and you've been given a few years left to live or, or you've fallen down and broken a hip and the 50% probability, if you're elderly, that you might not make it for a couple of years. Are those candidates, good candidates for selling, getting a structured settlement? Yeah, a, a life settlement. Yes, they are. It's generally for people uh, that have less than 15 years of life remaining. Right. Uh, people who no longer want or need their policies and their policies, their health has decreased from when they bought the policy. One of the probably a, a good way to share how a life settlement can work is to share a, a true life story. This one came right out of the book in the know. And I do change the names for confidentiality. But in the book, they go by Larry and Liz. And they were household names uh, on the beautiful Oregon coast here. And uh, they were visionaries. They started a whale watching company in 1968. And sadly, uh, Liz died unexpectedly in 2012 from health complications. And as you'd imagine, Larry's spirit diminished um, as well as his visions for retirement. Right. His heart was no longer in, in the work. And he ended up selling his business for a whole lot less than he hoped to, to one of his employees. We jump ahead now and he's 88. And he had two life insurance policies that he originally purchased to help offset the estate planning. And this was going to pay out when both he and Liz passed away. Estate planning was really important to the both of them. And their goal was to transfer their estate onto their two children in the most tax efficient way possible. And they transferred this risk onto the insurance company to pay for this estate tax. They just really wanted to make sure that Uncle Sam didn't become their number one beneficiary. But keep in mind that back in 2012, just over a decade ago, the personal federal exemption rate was 5.12 million. And what this meant is when someone died, the value of their estate was calculated and any amount above that 5.12 million was taxed at 40%. And on top of that, Oregon is one of just a small handful of states that has its own death tax. Now you jump ahead to 2023 and the exemption is more than $12 million per spouse. And a very small portion of Americans have a federal estate tax that will be due. So Larry felt he no longer had a need for the coverage. And this included a, a $1.2 million policy and a $400,000 policy. And in addition, the premiums he was paying had increased significantly, a lot more than he was willing to pay. So his financial advisor on the Oregon coast introduced him to our practice. And we put this out, working with our team to multiple providers to negotiate a settlement offer. And we received a gross offer, in his case, for $975,000. That's amazing. And, and that was 60% more than his death benefit of just over $840,000 and a whole lot more than the $133,000 of cash value. And, and so this is, again, one of many winning cases. They're all individual. And we share these stories in the note. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I used the term mistakenly earlier. I called it a structured settlement. Are you familiar with those? Because I think you, I, we see those advertised on television a lot. 
And I imagine that these same people on television are advertising for life insurance settlements. Are these, do you, are you familiar with structured settlements? Are these usually from lottery winnings and things like that? Or do you know? Yeah, we, we don't deal with structured settlements, but we are starting to see people advertise life settlements on, on television. Fortunately, I'm, I'm sure some of these people are good, honest, ethical people, but it, it's really easy to take advantage of seniors who are facing health ailments and so on. Um, but one of the big differences, it's really important to make sure that whoever you're doing a life settlement with is that they actually have an auction process. Mm -hmm. um, so we put these out to auction and we share the numbers that we're getting with our clients from each and every one of the investors. And then we have systems set, set in place that automatically share with all those people competing for this policy what our highest offer was. Mm -hmm. And very often by the time we get into the fourth, fifth or sixth round, the amount that we're able to procure for our clients is two to three times higher than what we got in the initial offering. Amazing. Are these auctions, but look, the auction exchanges, are these exchanges that people can follow that would be, they'd be familiar with? Uh, are these proprietary exchanges to your firm? How does that work? Yeah, good question. So we work with a, our independent broker dealer, mm -hmm. Outmark Securities. They are the first and the only company that voluntarily treats life settlements as a security, which means they're intentionally putting them themselves through a lot more scrutiny because there's so much opportunity for things not to go right and to take advantage of people. And so what they've done is they've created a market. There's about 15 main vendors of people that bid on these, and they've created this whole auction process with transparency being a number one. Amazing. So David, tell us, take a moment and tell us about your practice a little bit. We had you on after, and we had you on for a prior episode. I don't remember which number it was, but where we talked about your book, Failure is Not an Option. And I've heard you speak at a Vistage group. Give us a thumbnail sketch about what those talks are about, what that book is about as a refresher. Sure. One of the best ways that I, I can explain what it is we do is you have you love the story about the mountaineer and most people believe that when a mountaineer is leaving say climb Mount Everest that the goals get to the top but, but the reality is that is never their sole goal because 80% of the accidents and the deaths happen on the descent so it's the second half of their journey that takes the most amount of risk and needs the most amount of planning and what we share with our audiences and our clients is when you hit the financial summit, which means your first day of retirement and the last day that you're contributing to your IRAs and 401ks, and now you're going to be living off of those assets for the next two, three, and sometimes four decades, that it's the second half of the financial journey that also takes the most amount of risk and needs the most amount of planning. And I really believe that it's the financial planning and the financial strategies that get you to the top are very different than the ones needed to get you down to the base of the financial mountain, which is really another way of saying living your life with peace of mind, financial independence, and never outliving your resources. So the focus of our practice is helping pe successful people that have accumulated some wealth 
get down the financial mountain alive. Another focus of our practice, hopefully they're finding us two to three years before they sell their practice, is helping them uh, when we have enough time, really mitigate the capital gains tax from the sale of their business and eventually hopefully zero out the estate tax and really make sure Uncle Sam doesn't become their number one beneficiary. And then the third avenue that we focus on is when people are in the second half of their journey, they had life insurance for a key important reason, but they no longer need or want that policy. We will share with them the four options that they have. And when and if the fourth option of selling that policy as a capital asset makes the most amount of sense, we will go through that whole process with them and help them. It's great. All right, let's wrap up with a couple of questions off topic here. We were talking earlier, you saw the books on my bookshelf. You saw the traction book uh, by Gino Wickman with the entrepreneurial operating system. I'm talking quite frequently about a playbook and the importance of having a business operating system and helping my clients put some kind of a business operating system into their company. I know that you're doing that in your financial management practice. What has that program meant? to your business. Yeah, I know that you are a world-class uh, business coach and a big part of what you do is implement EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, a system that Wickman started years ago. Uh, we implemented it in our practice almost two years ago and it has been a complete game changer. It started out with figuring out what our five core values are for a practice and every decision that we make going forward, whether it's Hiring, firing, bringing on new clients is has to be has to support our five core values, and it's just an organizational structure that holds us all accountable. And it really has been a game changer for us at Roselle Wealth Management. That's fantastic. And you are off on a trip. You have a little vacation plan. Sounds like you're coming down off the mountain in Bend. Where are you headed and what are you looking forward to next? I did come off the mountain yesterday. The last day of April, we're still skiing here on a hundred inch base after this past winter and it's beautiful. But I have my first international investment conference in Puglia, Italy, in Southern Italy. Haven't been to Italy since I was a junior in college. Mm. And Heather and I are so excited to get to Italy. We have a six day conference. And then because of things like traction and EOS and setting up systems in place with really an incredible team here at the office, we decided to spend another two and a half weeks after the conference touring. We're most excited. Fantastic. All right. Final plug for you. I know you're offering copies of your book, In the Know, Turning Your Unneeded Life Insurance Policy into Serious Cash. That's a giveaway. How do people get a hold of it? Yeah, like we discussed earlier, any of your listeners, I am happy to get a copy of this book in their hands. They can probably best reach me at david at rosellwealthmanagement.com, all spelled out in Roselle's R-O-S-E-L, wealthmanagement.com. And I'll also give you our number where you can reach us at the office to give us your address. And that's 541-389-8382. All right, David, thanks so much for being on the show today, folks. Sometimes we have some very niche topics. This is one of them. But if you're an older generation and the person who's now in charge of your family business is old enough that they don't really need your life insurance settlement, 
David's got some options for you. And so, David, thanks for being on the show. Good luck in your travels. And folks, the drill, if you got some value from the show, please give us a good rating on your listening podcast application of choice and tell others about it and subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.